Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome to B2B Made Simple. My special guest I have with me today is Adam Lambert. He's the Director of Marketing at RevBoss. Adam, good to have you here on the show, man. You too, Sam. Man, I've listened to some of your old episodes and I'm like flattered to be on here. <laughs> Just a couple of weeks ago, um, you had a VP um, from out in Utah that uh, I got the chance to meet, Logan Mallory. And that Super was a great cool guy. That was a great episode, man. That's awesome. So were you out there for the pickleball uh, networking thing? Was that what you guys, what, what, what you No, no, no. For? I just happened to meet him. I worked, uh, I lived out in Utah for a couple of years gotcha. and worked at a SaaS company out there and um, just was fortunate to meet him and like the circles I ran in. That's um, really and cool. so I went straight to that podcast and listened to it. It was really good. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm happy to hear that it was a, a good one. That's, that was a fun one. He's a, a really cool guy and they're doing really good things out there. Um, I've never been that far West. I've only like the furthest right west on. I've been is like Indiana, uh, Tennessee area. So I know that's not west at all, but one of these days I'll get out there. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful out there, man. Like, and Utah has a really big SaaS B2B scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, people might be dismissive of it, but it's huge, right? I would have never guessed it until recently. Yeah. There's a lot of really high caliber talent out there because Adobe's out there. The NSA mm -hmm. is out there. Mm -hmm. uh, Qualtrics is out there. So there's some really massive companies that are hiring just the top talent. So it's a That's great awesome. place to be right now, Utah. Yeah, I've been noticing more and more, uh, you know, people are out there and especially Salt Lake City, right? Right. And then Salt Lake and Lehigh. Lehigh. That's yep. super interesting. Um Cool. Well, let's let's kick this off with a, a question to mix this up. So I like to hear from my guests, and this is one that hasn't been thrown out there yet. But if you right. had to give up pizza or chicken wings forever, like they're gone for good, mm -hmm. what would you choose to eliminate? I wouldn't eliminate pizza because I like chicken wings so much. <laughs> would, it would devastate me. Like it might devastate an Italian person to have to give up pizza or something, right? <laughs> Um, it would devastate me to get up chicken wings and then I would have to like swear off Zaxby's for life and uh, <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I would rather I would lean toward getting rid of pizza, even though that would break my heart. Um, right. That would be a really tough one. But good. Good to know. Um, cool. So let's let's hop into what we're going to talk about today, which is distribution for content. I love this right. topic when it comes to B2B. Um, so my first question for you is. Why should companies avoid being on every single distribution channel? I see people fall into that trap a lot. Why is it something they should avoid? Because they're spread, spread too thin mm -hmm. and their audience isn't on all those channels, basically. I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, beforehand, but um, you just need to know. I mean, the first thing of like any marketer is like, who am I talking to? Right. So I can learn how they talk so I can use their language back to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's the same thing with a distribution channel, right? I need to know where their watering holes, water coolers are. So I know where they kind of hang out and get their information. And then I need to be in those places. And it's very different for, very, for various audiences, right? The example I always give is I consulted with a SaaS company once who 
made um, software for almost exclusively dentists' offices, right? And small like medical practices. And they were spending a lot of time on social media and the people who cared about and bought their product did not spend time on social media. They were dentists. They actually did read dental magazines. They actually did read white papers. This was like a highly educated audience, right? Yeah. So once they started playing in those arenas and being in those places and buying ads and like what seems like something you wouldn't want to do, a print magazine for dentists, um, they started getting noticed. They started getting calls. And it just, they weren't seeing traction on Instagram. Dentists don't care about Instagram, hmm. right? For the most part. Yeah. So you just have to think about um, what makes sense for your audience and then commit to those distribution channels instead of spreading yourself way too thin across too many of them. You know, that's super interesting that you'd even bring up like the magazine uh, avenue. I mean, I would have never, ever guessed that. This is the you world don't, of- You don't, it's 2021, bro. You don't spend yeah. money on print mags. No, no, but- Obviously, they dug into where their buyers are. They, yeah. I mean, when they must have talked to buyers, listened to customers, prospects, whatever it was, and they figured that out. And it's a non-conventional. <laughs> it's non-conventional today. Obviously, it was a method that was yeah. popular but a few it's years ago. Extremely conventional to their audience, who are that's the dentists. Wild. Right? That's wild. But, yeah, you just got to think about. That's why you have to understand your customers, and that's why every marketer who's not in your first 90 days, if you're not talking to as many customers as possible, mm -hmm. like you're doing yourself a disservice and your business a disservice. Like you've got to talk to these people. One, like I said, to figure out what language they use and two, to figure out where they hang out. So you, you can hang out there too. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, I'm trying to date this girl. What does she enjoy? She enjoys rock climbing. Maybe I'll show up at that rock climbing class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to try to improve my chances and be where these people are. Mm -hmm. um, Dave Gearhart uh, gave this example one time. He said, so when he moved on to Privy, uh, they obviously, they, they sell to small businesses and he's never been in that market. So e-commerce online, right? So he's never right. been engrossed in that market, but they started the podcast and he hosted it and he had the buyers on the show and he learned the language. He learned how they communicate. He learned how they do things, where they hang out. And he engrossed himself in their world for maybe, I mean, he's still doing it, but it only took him a few months to get the swing of things and to be like in the crowd. And I think that's one of the best ways that you can do it is just interact with them, right? Yeah. You're learning a language mm -hmm. almost literally, right? Mm -hmm. So when you go into a new arena or a new industry, you're learning a language. What's the best way to do that, right? Yeah. I can speak Italian faster if I move to Italy and, <laughs> and, and I'm forced to buy my paper towels in Italian, right? Mm -hmm. I'm forced to get gas in Italian. It's like the really small stuff that, that adds up. And the thing that Dave, like, that's genius about that. It's the thing Chris Walker's doing at Refine Labs mm -hmm. or how he started doing is like, I'm recording the, the stuff, the actual conversations I'm having, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So um, it, it's literally you're not doing anything extra except pressing the red record button. Mm -hmm. And then you've got that as a reference. You've got that to distribute um, how you like. And pe other people, peers, their peers get to see that conversation happen in real time. What's interesting as well <laughs> is people will notice when you're trying to use the lingo and yeah. they're like, that's not how we would say it. And it's almost like a red flag to be like they're trying to talk like customers. Uh, and their buyers, but they're not because they haven't spent time with them. And I think that was a shift that that we had to make. So we we 
we're an agency that we, we did work for small businesses for the longest time. And mm -hmm. when we moved into B2B, it's a totally different realm, right? And just talking on this podcast has given me, just like Dave Gearhart went through, just the engrossing in the industry. And it's like, okay, <laughs> the things we said before, the way that we approach things is not how the B2B world does it. And it's just because we talk to people and it was like culture shock for us. And if I had put things on our website, people would probably would have seen that uh, early on and been like, that's, you know, that's not how B2B uh, companies talk or what's what they're interested in. And I'd say for any company, just like you mentioned, you have to talk to your customers to get that, you know, engrossed in the market. Yeah. All you're saying is nothing but firsthand will mm -hmm. do, right? Yeah. Secondhand talking to your customers isn't going to work. <laughs> it that's why, man, I hate to say it, but that's why a lot of people are disappointed by agencies is because agencies do all that talking and then they, they go back to the company and say, okay, here's what your customer said. Mm -hmm. and, and the company, at least one member of that company needs to hear those things firsthand because there's nuances in the inflections and like you can hear in someone's voice what matters to them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So um, yeah, it's really important to, talk to your customers firsthand so you can learn about them and you should be listening 90% of that time, right? Mm -hmm. Only time you should talk is to coax uh, further conversation out of them so you can listen more. Yeah, I'm 100% behind that. Um, so in the B2B world, what are the top three distribution channels that you would recommend because maybe they have a lot of organic reach or there's a lot of opportunity? What have you come across Maybe you guys are doing right now at RevBoss? Um, that are working for you? That's a good question. I don't want to flatly recommend three distribution channels for everybody because I think mm -hmm. it's different based mm -hmm. on the factors I just told you. I'll tell you where our three distribution channels are going to be, right? I think YouTube is one that's still, it sounds crazy to say this, right? But YouTube's still underutilized in B2B. Massively underutilized, right? And it's because people don't think about they think Google is where they should put all their eggs, right? Mm -hmm. But the second largest search engine behind Google isn't Bing, it's YouTube, mm -hmm. right? And when somebody goes to figure out how to do something, whether it's how to change the oil in my motorcycle or how to write a cold email, mm -hmm. they're going to YouTube. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. So I would say YouTube is a main one that's underutilized i would say linkedin because there's still you can still get organic reach there like you can't on facebook say mm -hmm. um and the third one we're investing in at rep boss is instagram right mm -hmm. i started an instagram from scratch when i came to rep boss and the reason we're doing that is we're using it as a recruiting tool mm -hmm. right um, instagram is nothing for us except for people who are interested in working at rev boss to see what life is like at rev boss mm -hmm. here are people here hear people going on vacation. We actually do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Here's our CEO taking a Friday off. Here's our new offices. Um, here's people doing things they love outside of work that mm -hmm. we encourage, right? So you have to have purpose behind the channels you pick. Mm -hmm. And we're picking YouTube for discoverability, LinkedIn for organic reach, and Instagram for recruiting. Mm -hmm. What have been your, so let's walk through like, the results from each one. So let's start with YouTube. You said it's discoverability. Um, since We're just getting started there. Yeah. So since, I really can't. Gotcha. So since it's like a really mature platform, um, how long have you guys been been using it so far? We're just getting started on it. Just getting like, started. We just started uh, 
I signed an agreement with editors two weeks mm -hmm. ago, right? Yeah. We submitted our first video to them. So we're not, I don't want to claim that like we're active and um, great on YouTube yet, mm -hmm. but that's a, it takes time, production takes time and yeah. that's a train that's a little slower to get going. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so I don't have any, I shouldn't say that I have uh, results to speak to there yet. That's fine. But yeah. But ultimately, the the idea is people all we're gonna I would say three quarters. So three mm -hmm. out of every four videos we're gonna put out are gonna start with the words how to, mm -hmm. right? Okay. And beyond that, it's gonna like feature our CEO. We want mm -hmm. him to be a thought leader, and we're just gonna point people to these videos to educate themselves. Mm -hmm. RevBoss does not. We're not struggling to get new customers. Mm -hmm. Um, we want to improve and keep the customers we have longer, right? Mm -hmm. So how to and education is where our focus is. I can't tell you about results yet, but have <laughs> me on again in a year yeah. and I will have that thing built, my man. Yeah, no, that's fine. So when you say education, um, especially to avoid churn um, okay. and, and get value to the customers that you have, are these product content videos uh, to like use your product better? What is your strategy behind that distribution channel? The strategy is to have the CEO answer like FAQs almost, gotcha. right? Mm -hmm. um, these questions that come up consistently during onboarding, right? Mm -hmm. um, people learning and setting expectations around what outbound actually is, right? Mm -hmm. Outbound is you building pipeline for the future. If you're trying to close deals this month, you probably shouldn't rely on outbound to do that, like same month, right? Yeah. Um, or that's kind of a scorched earth kind of model. I mean, maybe you can do it, but you can only do it once. Mm -hmm. So what the outbound done right, the right way, I would say is planning at least two quarters ahead, probably, and saying, look, we want to just widen the aperture of our pipeline. We want mm -hmm. to widen, right? We want to have more conversations with people that way, when the time comes for them to go, okay, we actually do need this, mm -hmm. we come to mind, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's the that's the whole idea. And we want to introduce people to the idea of outbound and, you know, maybe make them think or make them feel like, hey, if I'm not doing this, I'm missing out. And you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes so sense. Give them a little bit of a little bit of FOMO. Mm -hmm. Are you approaching LinkedIn in the same way or is it really top of funnel? What does it look like uh, on that platform for your distribution strategy? Yeah. LinkedIn's super, again, super educational. Right. Mm -hmm. If you look at just some of our company posts, um, we're, we're, I'm trying to get more thought leaders active uh, as individuals because we have more reach there. But if you just look at our company posts, it's the exact thing I just said, right? Want to have a strong Q4? Start doing outbound now, right? Because mm -hmm. the conversations you have now or the introductions you'll make now aren't going to close unless that person desperately needs you right then. Mm -hmm. But they might close in Q4, right? Yeah. And if you do outbound now, you can almost guarantee that you will close some deals from it at the end, by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying those exact same things. I'm just trying to educate an audience who knows they might be needing something, thinks that they're missing out, um, and maybe has already felt the tedium of doing outbound them themselves. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And it takes like a lot of time and energy. You have to do messaging you have to set up new inboxes um you have to test these things against one another 
Um, you have to constantly be replying to people mm -hmm. and gauging their interests, only passing on the ones that are really genuinely interested. So it's a lot of legwork. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people want to outsource that sort of thing. Yeah. And we just want to educate them on like what to expect. Mm -hmm. So with done it tens of thousands of times. Yeah. <laughs> so with LinkedIn, are you, you mentioned company page. Is that your sole strategy? Because I've seen some companies do like the, the personal brand. I know your CEO, you want to position him as a, or, or her as a thought leader. Um, mm -hmm. So what has been your strategy behind that? Are you using both or one or the other? Both. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the one probably most invested right now mm -hmm. until I can show traction and, and reach. But the idea is to have uh, every VP, our CEO first, mm -hmm. and every VP at RevBoss, and then every director at RevBoss mm -hmm. um, feel like they have their own niche and can talk about it. So I actually attended a, I don't even know what to call it. Let's call it like a lunch and learn one day with Casey Graham. Mm -hmm. He's the CEO of Gravy. And he laid out a schema for basically figuring out what you should post about and on uh, LinkedIn, on your personal LinkedIn, right? And in the middle was like, you know, Adam Inc. or Sam Moss Incorporated, right? Mm -hmm. And from those things, you talk about, or you bring like personality aspects is one of them, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, what am I? Okay, I'm an extrovert. That's why I'm talking to you and, and comfortable. Um, I'm a capitalist. Mm -hmm. That's why I work in marketing and really enjoy it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you figure out aspects of your personality, you figure out who you're actually trying to talk to and what you want to accomplish like in a year. Mm -hmm. um, all that to say, I think I filled out that schema. When I got to Ref Boss, I had my CEO. I was like, fill out the schema. It'll really help you think through like what you care about to post on LinkedIn. Did the same thing with our VP of CS. And so, yes, we want to do personal profiles combined with the yeah, company yeah. profiles, but personal profiles are way more powerful, way mm -hmm. more powerful. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. You don't have to be plugging your company all the time because people will organically try to figure out where you work. I think right? that's something, I think that's something that people don't realize is, and I have been guilty of this as well, is I have thought, man, I got to talk about websites all the time because that's what we do. And people are going to remember me right. for it. And that is true. I talk about websites and adding value and how to do them well a lot i do um but i like to talk about marketing as a whole and even if i don't put the word website people are still going to come to my profile they're going to see my name and they're going to have an affinity toward our brand because people aren't dumb like they're going to figure out what i do and if it takes a couple months for them to figure it out okay that's cool but if my if the content that i deliver is valuable then they will remember me and eventually remember what I do. And then if we're a fit, which again, we're just funneling down like a ton here, a few of those people might actually reach out down the road. So I think that's super important is like, you don't have to talk about your brand. You don't have to promote yourself. Just get people to remember you and want to come back tomorrow. One of the most common positive experiences on LinkedIn is exactly that. Somebody says something smart. I'll go, oh, that's smart. And I'll like it. I'll go to their profile. Where do they work? Right? Where does where do the smart people work? <laughs> that's what you're trying to figure out on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So yeah, you're totally right. You don't have to be plugging the whole time, right? I got my Rev Boss on this side <laughs> logo behind me, but um, I don't have to be like shoving Rev Boss in everybody's face all the time, you know? Yeah, it totally um, makes yeah. sense. 
if I give you some value or like I bring some expertise to the table from some experience I've had, like, Hey, I failed. Like, here's how I failed. Like, don't do this. And somebody mm-hmm. goes, Oh man. I was like, that's exactly what I was doing this week. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and they go, okay, so what should I do? And then they go to other posts, you know what I mean? And then they figure out, okay, this person has expertise in what do they have expertise? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and then you're a piece of a puzzle for your company. Right. Mm-hmm. So if your company's composed of more pieces like you, then they're competent. So you yeah. want to work with them. Mm-hmm. You see, you see the headline all the time, whether it's relevant content to the brand or not, you see their headline, you see their name. And it's just, it's, it's almost like 15, 20 years ago, you drive past, past a billboard uh, yeah. and actually like look at it um, or a TV commercial and remember them. It's the same thing, except you're in a totally different arena now where people are consuming content. So why not get in front of them? Yeah. I don't know. And this is no uh, insult to one click, right? Mm-hmm. But I can't conjure one click's logo in my head right now, mm-hmm. but I can conjure your face after yeah. this. Yeah. So you are the conduit to your company for me right now. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually the face of the company, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So yeah, exactly that, man. That's, that's honestly really like encouraging to hear from me because that's been the goal. Like, I, it's really tough to get through people's heads that the branding is not necessarily what's going to be remembered. It's what you're talking about and the brand you create, because there's a difference between branding, which I would consider to be the logo, the aesthetics of the brand, the colors you use on your website. And then you have brand, which is what are you actually remembered for? What impression did you leave on a personal level with people? Yeah. What sensation do people have when they think of your brand or when they interact with your brand, right? Mm -hmm. Like people have, what do you feel when you think about Chick-fil-A, right? Delicious. If you're a regular <laughs> customer, yeah. If you're a regular customer, you think of the efficiency you experience when you when you go through the drive-through, right? Nike is like, for me, there there was a print ad I saw of Nike once of a guy. Um, the photographer's actually inside of a restaurant looking out a window and it's raining outside, and there's a guy with Nike shoes on running in the rain, right? that's what Nike is. That's what their brand is. It's not necessarily the just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, above and beyond is what Chick-fil-A's brand is, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just polite teenagers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that experience that you internalize that creates affinity for a brand or preference for a brand mm-hmm. to the point where the biggest win you can have is to be default, right? You can be in Coca-Cola or Q-tips, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or Doritos. You you become, you supersede the category almost, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Your company name. So like that's as good as it can get. And that's what you're always kind of reaching for. I mean, uh, most brands will never, ever, ever get there because that's like a global thing, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is <laughs> like our logo is nothing pretty at all and people will never remember it we're not going to be yeah. apple one day and there's only a select few i mean maybe even like 50 logos that are these global brands that are these unicorns that have been around for a long time that people look at it and they know right because they're these massive massive companies and i think it's like people focus too much on the little things that we be remembered for instead of creating this personal connection that you're going to be remembered for 10 times longer. And right. you just have to shift your focus. 
Yeah. I just need to like when I need the website stuff, mm-hmm. I'll remember me and you had this podcast yeah. mm-hmm. and this conversation, mm-hmm. right? I might not remember the homepage of your website. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. It's exactly that. And you're right. Not all of us are going to, um, going to be one of these top 50 default brands. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's where the billion dollar companies are. You know yeah. what I mean? The and first I'm, drone delivery on Mars will be by Amazon. Yeah. The first bed in the pods will be Tempur-Pedic beds. It's like, mm-hmm. it's what it is. I think I remember more of like what a company does instead of the image they're trying to portray in a logo. For example, yeah. um, after I think about it for a little bit, I can remember Drift's logo. I can, after thinking about it for a little bit, I can remember Gong's logo. I don't remember Privy's logo. I think it's like cursive but I know exactly what each one of them does right? because they have people in their company that are dropping incredible value. And those are huge unicorn. I mean, a couple of them are unicorn companies that you yep. don't see in the B2B space a lot. And it's because of the way they're distributing content. And again, I don't, I, I had to really think about trying to remember their logo. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to, right. Mm-hmm. I worked at Calumly. Um, Calumly changed their logo recently. Yeah. You can do that in SaaS more because mm-hmm. what you're selling is that experience, the, the ease of booking a meeting, right? Yeah. Not um, the company. Yeah, it, it's absolutely right. So I have another question for you. Is, you. So how do you recommend choosing a distribution channel? I mean, we kind of touched on it before, but if you had to you know, go through this process here for your company, what would it be that you're saying to us when it comes to finding the right place to actually talk to customers? Man, I would say think carefully about what's obvious, right? So a lot of times as marketers, the mistake we make is trying to push people down a certain path instead of just putting sales up and letting the momentum and the wind of the natural path like carry us forward, which is what what we should be doing most of the time. So I would say already, like we said, is, is talk to your customers, but how do you do it, right? How do you research? Think about when you first joined that company or when you're researching to apply for that company, what did you do, right? Mm-hmm. You go in, you Google, right? You go to their website, you check it out. You go to maybe the CEO's LinkedIn. You know what I mean? Think about the way you do it. And then that's the organic way to do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but also talk to your customers, because you could make a mistake in that obviousness because the way you do it as a tech savvy person might not be the way somebody who uh, runs a Baskin Robbins does it. Cause maybe they're not tech savvy at all. Right. Um, maybe their day to day is like, they really enjoy the company of elderly people who come in and get ice cream cakes. Mm-hmm. That's what they care about. Right. And so you need to speak to that and not assume that, um, you know, your audience go, oh yeah, just inspect the page, right? And then they panic because their computer's suddenly broken. And me and you know, okay, I'm just like looking and see what it looks like in mobile, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Something really simple to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say do what's obvious, but do it carefully and only after like running it by and talking to your audience. That's, that's the 
the only way to pick distribution channels properly. Mm -hmm. Something you brought up is kind of re reverse engineering the process more than anything. You, you start it like, what's the goal? And then going backwards. And I did that, for example, with this podcast. It's not the most listened to podcast by any means, but we're trying to grow our audience. And I thought, how did I discover the podcast that I'm listening to now? And mm -hmm. I really, <laughs> the only podcast I'm really listening to is uh, Chris Walker's ref uh, I don't remember what it's called, but I love the podcast, right? Demand Gen. Demand Gen. There you go. And I originally, when I had stumbled across his content, I didn't really like the show. Uh, it just wasn't like applicable to me, right? And now I've like rediscovered it and love it. I listen to it all the time. And I'm like, how did I find the show and get to the point where I actually wanted to listen to this podcast? And I'm like, okay, well, I saw him post on LinkedIn. Right. Not because I looked for him because organically I found him. Right. So that's where it started. And then you stopped and read that, or you yes. liked something, you yep. saw more of him, more of it. And then it, it kept going. And then it took a while and I, he didn't post, Hey, go listen to my podcast. I naturally wanted to go see what else he was putting out because it was really good. So I looked at the podcast. I wasn't in a place where I was ready for it. And I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. It wasn't my style. And then I continued to get used to his style of communication and the content that he's putting out. And I went back to the podcast and realized, wow, this is really good. Yeah. And he All started because, clipping it, right? The, yeah. the really smart parts and putting it out on yeah. LinkedIn organically. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh man, that is okay. Where do I get right? more of this? Obviously I would like to yeah. see long form. And then I went and that's how I discovered it. And it's how do I reverse engineer it is, you know, just get some content out there. You don't have to promote your podcast, but people will naturally be driven to your long form content. If your short form is extremely good and in the right distribution channels. Yeah, exactly. All you're trying to do is take the potency, mm -hmm. like the lightning, you hopefully captured in a bottle during the podcast yeah. and just like show everybody that you have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like on, on organic channels. And you're right. Sometimes it takes a while to come around to somebody, mm -hmm. get used to their style of communication um, I was like, I actually was on watching live on YouTube, probably in the first dozen shows mm -hmm. of Chris Walker, like when he had G Denardi on there, you know, that's Next cool. Week. And I was like, there was maybe a dozen people, mm -hmm. right? Maybe 20 people, um, on, like in YouTube live, like chatting there, mm -hmm. but now it's 200 or more, <laughs> right? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But the thing about any creative production is you're making a bet and you just have to start doing it. Yeah. Right. And you can't stop doing it mm -hmm. um, in three months. You can't. It will fail mm -hmm. if you stop doing it in three months. Yeah. So you, you have to do something for a year. You have to record 100 At plus least. episodes like you have. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going on another podcast uh, here. I don't know if it's this month or it'll be in July, but, um, a woman, her name is Mavis of Fuentes. She is the founder of flying cat marketing, mm -hmm. right? She and I have just talked intermittently. I've never used her services, but she posts smart things. Mm -hmm. And now I think this is going to be her hundredth episode, right? It's cool. Yeah. It's just, you chip away at this stuff, man. And then people notice you. And now I'm recording with her, um, I'm a director of marketing. If I really need some SEO expertise, like I might just go ask her yeah. some advice as a favor. Mm -hmm. And that's her conduit to eventually get my business. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Another thing is if Chris hadn't been consistently posting the short form, 
I would have, I, so I would have discovered him. And then let's say he gave up because <laughs> not that I was the difference maker in his podcast, but he didn't get that listen. Right. And he scrapped the podcast. And then here I am following his content, looking for more and he didn't keep it going. Or let's say he stopped posting on LinkedIn because he wasn't getting any engagement. And then he just lost the, the distribution channel and the avenue to his long form when all I had to do was get a little bit more familiar with what they were doing before I officially went and, and dove in and became like a fan. And it just, you're preaching it right there where it's continue, continue, continue at least a year in, in whatever you're doing uh, if it's something that has to get that organic traction going. Yeah, that's the thing that marketers like, and I'm, I'm super guilty of it, right? I'm not like being accusatory. Marketers are really bad for trying new things and then quitting them. <laughs> yeah. We're so bad for that. We don't give things a chance because the marketing we admire most is really big splashes, right? Mm -hmm. It's like Red Bull jumping from the stratosphere, like from space down to earth. Yeah. But your business and my business are never, ever going to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can hope for and and want maybe our own conference and maybe a really cool speaker at that conference mm -hmm. and people who care about outbound or are thinking about outbound get to see that cool speaker for a few minutes and that's their conduit to our company. Right. Um, so you, you just have to like think really, really practically, just like Chris did practically, how are marketers getting their information? What's the path to get them to listen to long form content? Are they struggling with the same things I am? And then he decides, okay, let's just record and have these conversations in public, right? And then I'll release the little clips and all that is is a little path through the woods, you know what I mean, for you to get there. And then you figure out there's this really cool bonfire back here and, you know, uh, there's marketers over here next to the keg and the marketers over here, like around the campfire telling the tales and it's a cool place to hang out. All of a sudden he's got his own, he's created his own watering hole. Mm -hmm. you're absolutely so, right you, but you don't to my earlier points like you figure out where those are you can create your own but it's hard and it takes time mm -hmm. right um chris walker had nobody in those early rooms he wouldn't mind me saying that right in in those early like youtube lives there was there was 10 maybe 20 people mm -hmm. and now it's hundreds of people yeah so all because he stuck with it and kept going and uh, that's one thing that marketers just need to get a grasp on for sure. Um, cool. So let's let's shift gears here. Uh, we're going to close out here. We're running out of time. But um, I want to give you the opportunity to become a podcast host. Not sure if you ever hosted a podcast before, okay. but this is your opportunity. So you're in the driver's seat. You control from here. Um, if you have any questions on your, on your mind that you want to ask me, now's your opportunity uh, to get those out. Okay. I do have one for you. I thought about this before the podcast. Would you consider, it's got a prerequisite question. Would you consider yourself an extrovert? Um, in between. Okay. Mm -hmm. I might accuse you of being an extrovert simply because you do this, right? And a true introvert would have to overcome a whole lot of internal battles mm -hmm. to even start something like this, let alone yeah. continue it. Do you think... Um, your personality, your extroversion, say, helped you start a business? And do you think um, the best entrepreneurs are extroverts? Did it help me? Yes, I would. I will have to say, I think it definitely did. Um, 
I think the more I look at it, I am an extrovert, but I enjoy like coming home to alone time. And I like going out and doing things by myself. I think honestly, the, the biggest thing that helped me was even if I was an introvert and, and had gotten out of it mm-hmm. is honing in like communication skills. And in high school, I worked for a broadcast studio and I was a news anchor. It was this tiny little uh, broadcast studio in a town of 4,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. A hundred people watch this thing a week. And I would go out and do interviews with high school students after sporting events. I would sit down at the desk and interview people. And I never realized the value that I was getting um, from doing that back then. And now- sharpening your tools. And I'm not saying that every single person, if they want to start a business or start a podcast or even talk on LinkedIn, needs to go work for a news studio. What I'm saying is if communication is going to be something in your future, which if you would like to do things, I think that is probably something you need to hone in, then hone the skill in. Um, So I wouldn't say that being an extrovert is what has gotten me to like do what I'm doing. I think it's, I have the experience in communication that doesn't make me nervous to sit down with someone and record a podcast for 45 minutes uh, to post something on LinkedIn. And if someone hates it, like come at me for it. And I can communicate like why I stand behind what I stand behind Um, and talking to people on sales calls. Of course, I get nervous for all of those things, but because I've honed in a skill um, and really set the foundation in simply communication, I think it's kind of set me up for doing things down the road. That's a really a stellar answer, by the way. All you're saying is like, you can be an introvert. It will just be harder, but you still have mm-hmm. to basically take the same path. You still have to talk to people. I think it does. Maybe I'm wrong. I would love for someone to tell me I'm super wrong about this. But I think being an extrovert, a natural communicator is mm-hmm. like one of, if not the best skill you can have if you decide to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because, man, I made a post like this on LinkedIn, go to my LinkedIn, right? (laughs) Connect with me. Um, I made a post like this on my LinkedIn. People like sometimes say my CEO doesn't get marketing, Mm -hmm. right? And like, I think that's arrogant now. And I've said that before, but I think that's arrogant because if someone like you takes the initiative to start a business, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Found a business, you're responsible for the first 50 customers at least mm-hmm. like you have to get them yep. or your business dies. So I just think that's such a leg up because it's so steep mm-hmm. at the beginning, right? Um, it's so Sisyphean, it seems for the first year of running your own business um, that I think that's just a huge advantage. So it was interesting to hear you talk about that. You're just saying like, just have the conversations. Yeah. Just step out of your comfort zone if it isn't something you're comfortable with and learn to communicate with people. Um, Obviously, I had the opportunity to do the the broadcasting, which really honestly gave me a lot of confidence in life. Um, But you can get that same confidence from posting something on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, And people will disagree with you. Uh, and that's okay. Or whatever district TikTok, if you're trying to do B2C, right, you can post something and, and give value. And then that can be a stepping block to something else like a podcast. Now you have the confidence of getting content out there. Why not sit down and talk with someone on a podcast? And then from there, you build an audience. And now you have the confidence to go get interviewed at a live event at a conference because you built the name, which <laughs> full transparency, if someone ever asked me, I don't know what I would ever say 
to them because yeah. I have never gotten to that stage, but maybe one day. Right. Um, but it's like the small steps in honing in your communication and just being good with people and just holding a conversation, I think will be what sets you up for success. You're right. That's why I think communications, uh, a natural communication is an advantage. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Do I have time for one more question? Go for it. Shoot. Okay. What's the most insightful thing? And this is putting you on the spot. Mm -hmm. What's the most insightful thing you've heard like this year or like in the past year? Um, that, and I'll buy you a little time to think here that, that was just kind of mind blowing to you. You know what I mean? Occasionally you'll hear something or so, somebody really experienced a, a venture capitalist or an executive will say something so succinct mm -hmm. and they distilled a piece of wisdom down that you've kind of known for a long time. Uh, but you'd never internalized it that, and that distilled the form. Mm -hmm. What's something somebody's like dropped on you recently, let's say in the last year that, that you, you could pass on to the audience here and me, I yeah. selfishly want to know too. <laughs> so our audience, I mean, if they listen to the podcast episode, they already got it. Um, and I, I posted on LinkedIn in a graphic because I have been preaching this in like blog format, which we don't blog, but I'm just saying long form content or long form format, right? because I knew it, but I couldn't get it down to two sentences. And someone said it this way, um, Phoebe Nochi, I had her on the podcast a couple months ago. And she said, okay. um, <laughs> content marketing is educational. It's not promotional. Okay. That's all she said. And I'm like, that is so true. Like your whole goal in getting your, your content out there is, and I try to tell people this, don't sell in your LinkedIn post. Don't try to sell in your podcast. It is strictly educational uh -huh. and eventually people will reach out to you but if you do it the other way around where you're trying to promote yourself people are never going to listen and i was never able to get it down into hey this is what it is content content um marketing is educational it's not promotional and i mean that sums it up perfectly that is genius man because think about it it applies to other situations like if you go to buy a car on a car lot right if you go to like chevy dealership there's one guy who will come up to you and try to sell you the truck he wants to sell you and another guy answer the questions you have about the truck you want to buy mm -hmm. right yeah it's like does this how long is the bed in this and this one guy tells you and it's like educational right yeah but somebody comes up to you and says that's our 2020 model you ought to see the screen the dashboard on the 2021 model <laughs> and you just go oh you smell bad you yeah. know what i mean you smell like like sales and desperation mm -hmm. so that's it's brilliant and I just no, translated it to like a blue collar thing in my head, but yeah, no, that's cool. Well, there's the thing is there's no in between. It's either you are being educational or you are being promotional. And if you are being educational with promotion in the, the content, people yeah, yeah. will tell and they'll be like, oh, I can see why you're putting this out. You were trying to get us to go do this. And mm -hmm. the closest that I will get to something like that is putting the link to a podcast episode in like a LinkedIn post to explore further. Again, more education. It's not, hey, come to our website and, or and buy a website or or a sales call, right? It's, it's like you can hear the rest of this right here. Yeah, it's yeah. you can go dive deeper if you want to um, over here. But if not, come back tomorrow and we'll have more value. And it's like you can always tell the people that are trying to create educational content. Yeah, yeah. And then they just try to sell to you. And it's like, oh, this was like a backhanded like sales pitch when they're trying to create and you can always it's the middle ground but you can see them coming a mile away 
You can. And there's a, I, I, I do like a ratio thing in my head of, of on a, a, a blog, a company blog. It's like, how many of these blogs are for the company and how many are for the customer? Be really honest. Like you're saying, it's either black and white. You can't go like, oh, this is sort of for the customer, but we did do this at the end. It's like, then it's for you, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where you landed. So if you're being really honest, like assess that ratio of what's for the customer or what's for you. Or um, like your guest said, assess that ratio of, t- uh, tell me your guest's name again. Uh, Phoebe Nochi. Okay. I'm going to go back and listen to that. It was a good one. It was, it was just like, it was, it was very similar to what we talked about here, uh, where it was just like content and yeah. content marketing, but it, it was just that line stuck out to me more than anything, because I'm like, okay, this is what I've been trying to say in so many words for the yeah. past year to people. LinkedIn, I, I always bring up LinkedIn. That's because we're, that's where I am, right? That's our content distribution channel. LinkedIn is not where you try to sell to people. It's where you educate them. And just knowing that content marketing is strictly educational, it's not promotional, even uh-huh. backhanded promotional, just stuck with me. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I've been trying to say for so long. So Phoebe, yeah. if you're listening, thanks. <laughs> yes, thank you, Phoebe. Yes. You taught me something. That's why I like, that's why I asked for like the distilled version of it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we do know things, right? Yeah. But we know them in paragraph form mm-hmm. in our head. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we haven't got um, it's still translucent. It's not transparent just mm-hmm. yet. Right. I can tell what's on the other side of the shower door or the window, right? Um, but I can't see all the way in. Right. So man, that's perfect. I love that. Thank you, Phoebe. Yes. Awesome, man. Well, good job being a podcast host. To close us out here, <laughs> we're coming up on time. So um let us know what Rev Boss does. Give us like the elevator pitch the 30 second, like, Hey, this is what we do of what you guys have going on. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, man. Of course. Red boss is a B2B sales prospecting company. Right. And basically we do, uh, I think I said earlier in the podcast, we do outbound the right way. You know what I mean? We do it very diligently. Um, we know all the ins and outs of like creating inboxes and avoiding getting flagged by Google and speaking to your audience. We talk to you and figure out who your ICPs are. Um, and then we do all the tedious work for you. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we hand you um, leads when they come in, when they, excuse me, when they actually want to buy from you, you know? Yeah, that's the uh, best. So Red Boss is a lot like um, many other like sales development agencies, you know, mm-hmm. but we do very um, conscientious email marketing. And we also uh, do LinkedIn prospecting as well. Very cool, man. Um, so if someone wants to go look look up you, um, Adam Lambert, where would they find you? What's the best place to to follow what you do? Uh, definitely on LinkedIn, man. Cool, if cool. you follow at me on LinkedIn, I'll see it, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, go to go to redboss.com to check out Redboss. Mm-hmm. Um, check out me. I think my LinkedIn is linkedin.com slash Adam C. Lambert. Cool. Um, but you can find me um, through Sam. You can find me through uh, Redboss, however you want. Awesome. Man. I would love cool. to talk to you, man. All right, Adam, thank you so much for for hopping on the podcast with me. One of my favorite topics, I always tell people this, is content and how to get it out there. Not that I'm a pro by any means, always refining it. And it's always good to learn from from someone like you. So I appreciate you you coming on, man. Yeah, of course, man. You're doing the work. You're sharpening your tools right now. That's right. right? (laughs) 